Adversity. Real stories from real people. Persistence Culture presents the Adversity Podcast. All right, we are back. Adversity Podcast, real people, real stories. I am your host, Mambo, and my co-host, we got Josh. What's going on? How we doing? Doing good, man. Back for another episode with another dope guest. And uh, who do we have today? We have Mr. John Franco. We were fortunate to have his wife, Alicia, on last week. And this is the other half to that equation. They own Coliseum Boot Camp, which we've uh, talked about as my little box that I like to keep myself healthy in. How you doing, John? Doing fantastic. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on board, man. Yeah, man. Welcome uh, to the podcast, and thank you so much uh, for taking the time to hang out with us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. So, uh, John, where uh, did you grow up at? I grew up in the Valley. I went to Granada Hills High School, pretty much everything out there until I met Alicia, and she was a Ventura girl. No, I ain't never going to Ventura County. Don't even try it. And here we are in Oxnard. <laughs> in the Nard. Yeah. From the Valley to the Nard. It had to be love, right? Yeah. <laughs> actually, Oxnard's very nice, as a matter of fact. I actually like it out here, believe it or not. I hated the Valley. So It is a great area, especially yeah. being so close to the beach and you get that wet. I mean, when you get that wind, that, I mean, I'm a Texas boy, right? So right. Getting that wind that come off the ocean and I can no feel breeze. it. Oh, yeah. man, there's nothing out there except yeah, humidity it's... and bugs. <laughs> <laughs> out here, you get great weather and no bugs. I'm sold. I'm in. I'm a California boy now. Not, you know, I'm still a Texan, but I'm a California boy now. So. Uh, there it is. So, so John, how did you get into uh, working out? So I've always worked out, played football. Um, you, you know, I was 185 pounds out of high school, played college at about 215, and you get married and you don't pay attention, and next thing you know, you're fat at 275. <laughs> it's love. It's called love. <laughs> Being in love. Well, I don't know if I was in love, but <laughs> you know, you wake up one day. It was like 2000. Was the mortgage meltdown? I was in mortgages, lost everything, and uh, my daughter was six months old. My ex-wife at the time just kind of packed up and left, and I had my little girl, and I was chasing her around the apartment, and I'm gasping for air. I'm like, oh shit, I'm 37. I thought I was old at the time, and yeah. if I don't make a change, something bad's going to happen. So that's literally when I woke up, and uh, I decided to get in shape at 37. No, 38, excuse me, 38 years old. Wow. So so that was like when you really took uh, working out serious? Yeah. So I woke up at 38, and uh, like I said, I had no money. I was dead broke, and I'm watching television, General Hospital. I wouldn't go anywhere because I was so embarrassed of myself. And I see this Nutrisystem commercial. They said, for 340 bucks. Lose 30 pounds. I said, I ain't got nothing else to lose. I had one credit card left, 346. <laughs> Bought my box of food. I was religious about it. I lost 30 pounds like, I, like it said it was going to. But eating hot dogs and hamburgers out of a box can't be healthy. But that's kind of how the whole fitness for me got started. Wow. And I just learned to calorie count. Ended up at Pollo Loco every single day. Kept my calories about 250 calories per meal until the body started to change. And then... Uh, my friend was competing, and I saw his abs literally change on a daily basis. I go, Ash, who the hell is your coach? He's out of Florida, Tony. And I uh, saved all my money. When Tony flew into L.A., I said, I want abs. I've never seen him in my life. That's <laughs> 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 how the whole thing got started, honestly. Wow. So, Give so, me some abs. So so uh, prior to taking the gym life serious, it was, it was mainly sports that – Kept you in shape? Yeah, for the most part, football kept me in shape. But then when I was done playing at 27, I was like, okay, now my body's beat up. And I just ate and just got big and focused on work. One thing, too, is like, I know for me, when I started working out and, and at least getting a walk-in or a jog-in was when the doctor told me. It's like sometimes, like, you know, we wait for, for the bad news to do things. 
and you you were huffing just chasing my little girl. Your little <laughs> girl. So that was like a sign to you, like, hey, I better start doing something about my health. Yes. And what about the gym? Like, when did that come into play for you? So, when I did my transformation, for me, I wanted to like I was watching Kurt Warner back in the day, and Kurt Warner. They asked him, "Why do you always publicize your faith in public?" And they said, "Because it keeps me accountable." So I said, "Okay, I'm gonna do that with Facebook." You know, that's all I had at the point. So I just I was posting everything, good, bad, indifferent, whatever. And nine months later. I realized it was bigger than me. I had people messaging me. I've done triathletes, this and that, because I was 38, and they were in their 40s, 50s. So that's when I said, okay, this is cool. And then I fell in love with fitness. And then one of my old um, – I worked at uh, – I was a paramedic back in the day at uh, American Medical Response, and my old partner, Scott, he was who was the GM at the point, called me up and goes, dude, I'm about to put a needle in my stomach. Uh, 270, 250, 250 pounds at the time. And he came out of fresh out of Desert Storm in 95 at 175. Same thing happened to him. So I went up there, helped him, and I got him from two, two, 250 to 190 in 90 days. And he goes, oh, my gosh, I need to hire you on staff. And at that point, I was brand new vice president at J.P. Morgan Chase. And I'm all, shoot, you're asking me to leave my job to go work for you guys. I have a little girl. I just got my life in order. And I fell in love with fitness. So I left Chase, and I went to work for AMR and uh, got them on board. That's kind of how fitness career got started. Long story short, they had budget cuts. I was the first one to let go. And then I'm um, sitting at LA Fitness working out. I need a job. I have a little girl. I have no money. What am I going to do? And they have this sign that says, um, we're hiring. So I immediately, I'm working out, so applied. Wow. That's kind of how I got started into the corporate world. But when I got to the corporate world, I realized they have no clue what they're talking about. I went from LA Fitness, 24-hour fitness, and they just sell you a pretty gym and they think and they act like they really care about you, they don't give too anything about you. So I said, okay, at some point I got to start helping people. So that's how my, my online coaching got started, and then I met Alicia, and then we just took it to a bigger scale and said, okay, we're going to have a gym at some point because we're going to pe- teach people how to do this correctly. Right. And uh, that's how the idea got birthed. It just took like five years to get there. So, <laughs> but you got there, right? We got there, yeah. praise God, yeah. And then as soon as you get there, what happened? Oh man! <laughs> you know, I've managed, we know a little bit of the story. <laughs> I managed gyms great, and I was good at managing and taking a gym that's already set up and making it more profitable. But I'd never done it from the ground up. Yeah. And all I knew at that point was the corporate side, you know, the the gym side of it. And then I was able to uh, partner up with a guy named Alex Hermosi who built small box gyms. So he taught me the infrastructure of the small box world, which was a high ticket. So that was something, a whole new learning curve. You know, we got to Oxnard, we found the building, we leased it out, and we're four or four rows down from where they were doing the construction. I have a desk that I put in there, and that's it. It had nothing else. So I just started putting <laughs> ads on Facebook. People started to come in, we started to build. And then Alicia would take the clients, and she started doing the boot camps. We started doing the nutrition, everything that Alex was showing us. And from there, it just grew. And then, of course, now we get into March, and we have the pandemic. Right. And... The gym hadn't even been opened yet, so May of 2020, everything was done, and Alicia and I are bored of bands. That's okay. And we have all this beautiful equipment just sitting in storage, so I just call them up. I go, dude, this is nothing but the flu. Just bring everything out here. So they start to put all the gym equipment out, and then uh, we start working out, posting videos, and all my friends start to see. That's how the, the pricing came around, because my friends, I'll do, we'll pay you 100 bucks a week, just let us go train. <laughs> <laughs> because we never had any intention of opening it to anyone. It was just for Alicia and I only, and for the boot campers. Right. And that's kind of how it got started. So it was, it was a rough road, to say the least. You know, when you're shut down, you can't be open. Of course, we stayed open. We were just very quiet about it. We had a really good lawyer, Rhonda Kennedy, that was kind of giving us the do's and the don'ts. Um, and we just slowly, slowly, slowly just 
slowly grew <laughs> grew it. There was a lot of speed bumps in between. There was the, a lot from the construction. I mean, we're learning as we go, so we don't know anything. We're just learning construction and language and this and that, trying to acquire clients and all that stuff. So it was it was a rough road, especially when, you, you know, with us, for example, we had all of our – no one would lend us money because mm-hmm. we're a brand-new business. So we took everything out personally, and all the personal loans we took were high-end ticket credit cards and with special promotional rates but during the shutdown we couldn't pay anything back we have to actually have them give us so by the time we opened up and all those it's like it got it, it's, I mean, it's the debt was real the yeah. debt was real yeah. all that back interest got applied payments doubled you know when trump got out and all the interest rates went up all that just if so yeah we're, we're slowly slowly trying to get out of that mess yeah when i first met you 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 shared your story with me how you had to lay off a lot of staff and you were delivering cars yourself yep, yeah yep, absolutely yeah we were doing i was doing everything i had one guy and on the sales side and we were still doing 30 35 cars every month we were having to hand deliver them to the people's house because they couldn't really come into the dealership wow yeah it was a pain yeah, that's where i know josh can attest to you know God's real. Jesus is real. We're only in this thing because he's given us the resources to make it month by month by month. But it's been a rough ride. It's yeah. not easy. It's like you think it's going to be more peaceful being a self. Hell no. Going back to when you uh, you applied at, at, at the gym where you were, were working out, mm-hmm. was that kind of school for you? Knowing that you were going to open up your own gym eventually? No, because I never had the idea of opening up a gym. Back then, it was, I just need a job. I have a three-year-old I got to take care of. And for me, my whole background was was business i right. had a mortgage company i ran it myself it was my own company we did really really well to the meltdown and we had survived several different you know uh, speed bumps in the road through the, through the market going up and down but 2008 got us and then when i got to that world and i applied for the job uh, you know i'm sitting there with the gm and she goes okay great i'll hire you. i'd love to have you let me set you up with uh, our regional so i met with her and she goes you're way too qualified for this and and she goes uh I said, look, Lisa, I'm not hungry. I'm fucking starving. You know, I I need this job. And she goes, okay, this is what I'll do for you. I'll put you in a 90-day fast track. If you can do blah, 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 blah in 90 days, we'll promote you to general manager. I got promoted in three weeks. So that's kind of how I got into the GM role really quickly. So I went from, and it's funny because I got there and I'm a sales counselor and I'm writing people up who are above me. <laughs> she gave me the green light, obviously. Because for me, it was like, how are you late? You know, and so it's, but that's kind of, I just came in acting as the GM. And right. of course, three weeks later, I got the store. Then I got the biggest store in Hollywood. And then from there, I went to 24. But I was able to take all the stuff that I learned over the years and just apply it to leadership. So, I'm glad you're sharing that because I'm pretty sure you've, you've been asked how you started your business. A lot of people get asked how they got into their career. Sometimes you working somewhere is, is the way you learn the way they run their operation. And then you, once you're ready to do your business, you bring everything you learn to to you and do it your way. People don't realize that you're always learning. It doesn't matter where you're at. You're always learning. But people go in and, you know, have this shitty job, whatever, but they're learning. You're acquiring skills. Like they asked this one kid. I said, what do you do for work? He goes, I, uh, how does he say it? He goes, I work for a multi-billion dollar company and I handle cash transactions. He worked at McDonald's. <laughs> he ain't <laughs> lying. He proposed. Yeah, right? he ain't it's like, lying. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I like yeah. that but, presentation. Yeah. So it's, you're always learning. And for me, I just learned. And when I left the mortgage business, I couldn't get a job anywhere. I would go apply at Chase and this and that, and no one would hire me. And just because you're overqualified or what if we bring you on and you leave when the mortgage gets better. But fortunately, I'm a networker. So when I interviewed at, originally it was WAMU, and then I met the, the uh, she was the, uh, 
the, whatever she hired people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one day when I, I got hired by, by world financial group, they're the only ones that would take me in as a, as a, as a multi-level marketing company. Yeah. Right. But I learned a lot through there through nine. They're the only ones that actually gave me an opportunity to do anything. I hated in the insurance, but nine months, they taught me how to what books to read and my intellect grew. So I read, got gobbled up books in nine months because I didn't go to school. I didn't have a college degree, nothing. Right. I just straight out of high school. Yeah. So, Everything that they taught me in those nine months, and they really took me under their wing, Sean and Jamie, and and I got developed, and I grew. That's how I met Ed of My Lead, and him. He actually coached me to open up this gym back in the day before he became Ed of My Lead, right? Wow. Anyway, long story short, I learned all these books. So when I when I started to interview, um, I called Carrie. I go, Carrie, I need a job. <laughs> she goes, Well, JP Morgan hiring his chase as a, as a branch manager, VP. I go, I've never worked at a bank. I just make deposits. Right? <laughs> she goes, Just go interview anyway. Now we're going on a tangent here, but that's how my corporate career got started. So I went to interview with all these district managers, and I'm like a Tony Robbins, right? I'm like monkey see, monkey do. And they go, we don't know where the hell we're going to put you, but one of us is going to hire you. <laughs> that's how I got started. And then from there, I branched off to the to the to to my passion, which was fitness. So yeah. how do you think all those, because you've, you know, going through from the mortgage into a branch manager, into being the GM of a store, you know, and then learning the 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 aspects of a trainer, right? Because that's not easy either, right? I mean, there's so many, a lot of people don't realize you, you have to go through a certification process to become a, a certified trainer. And it's it's a process. I mean, and it's it's a lot. Yeah. How do you think you were able to use all those places of adversity, really? Because, I mean, this is beautiful. I mean, this is exactly what this podcast is about. I mean, your entire story about having success and then having to kind of reevaluate and move through success. And even, even in your transitions, right. When you were, when you were at a place where you were comfortable, but you still had that passion to go into fitness, right. When you left chase, you had that security, but you had this passion too. Right. And you'd, it'd been so easy for you to go, no, I'm just going to stay in my comfort in this comfort space at chase and just kind of ride this thing out, you know, I don't think you'd been as happy as you are now. And that's what I want the listeners to really grab a hold to is we got to be careful not to be comfortable because once we get comfortable, we miss out on the opportunity to be creative and be passionate because that's what we'll be passionate about, what we can be creative with. Right. Right. And that's what I love about John because now he's 50, 51, 51. And the man is getting on a stage and competing, which we talked about the difficulty of that last week at 50 and wow. winning and placing, you know, and, 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 and he wouldn't be there if he wouldn't have taken that risk, overcome the adversity and then found his place that he was passionate about. And even when you went into that space and it, and you got let go, you know, you were, like you said, you were one of the first to let go instead of going into a hole, you found a new way to find, and, and you, you didn't go back into the, that's what I love is you didn't go back into mortgage, right? Which is what your expertise were. You kept going and kind of to, into the unknown because that's where your passion was driving you. And I think that's huge. And I think that's a very valuable piece of your story. Yeah, the passion came with fitness itself because one thing I was, when you can control your physique, there's nothing you can't do in life, right? So 
when I was at Chase, I just liked the competition. I right. wanted to be number one, right? So, like, like I took the, the littlest branch that nobody wanted in Tarzana, but I saw it different. I saw, okay, we're in Tarzana. There's million-dollar homes. People have money. For me, it's, okay, let me go after the business owners. I'll get, I'll get the personal accounts. So we became very successful with that little tiny branch. And then I took the same thing to fitness, except with fitness, I was passionate about transforming the physique. And um, for me, the reason I, I, I was never certified. I never to this day been certified. That's because I took, for me, it was like, I'd rather have somebody who's done it than someone who has a certificate. Right. Like the relative experience. I'd rather learn from a Floyd Mayweather or a Tiger Woods than someone who's certified. Because they've done it and they do it, right? Right. So I took that approach and no one ever asked me for a certificate. But I learned from the best. I would hire the best to teach me who are actually doing right. it. So that's why even and then when I met Alicia, it was a no-brainer to what we had to do because she had the same passion. Now, she came from, a, I'm sure she shared her story, but she came from a different way. I came from the overweight. She came from the other side. Um, but when you have that passion to your point and you want to help, it's, it's, it's an, it's a game over. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of where I took my, my business application to the, my transformation to the passion. And it just was a win win. Yeah. You know, I don't know if Alicia shared on what happened to us. Um, did she share what happened to us when we got caught with that $60,000, you got three days to pay it type thing. Yeah, yes. with Mark. Yeah. Yeah. With Mark. Yeah. But that was, and so when I met with Mark, Alicia and I were at home and she's crying and, you know, we, we didn't come this far to lose it just like that. And, and the landlord wouldn't help us for anything. And I had just met Mark. And I said, Mark, I don't know if you're open to business opportunities. And he goes, let me come over. And he goes, look, I, I've only been with you guys a short time. I know you're done with me. And I see what you guys do for other people. Right. Here's a check for $60,000 on a handshake. And I just met Mark. But he saw the passion of what Alicia and I were doing and how we were helping people. So I think that spoke a lot of volumes to we were on the right track of helping individuals. And I, I think sometimes you get put the right people in front of you, and a lot of people don't see that. I know she shared a story about, uh, was it a priest that, that was in a flood? and and Yeah, yeah, her grandfather talks about that. That's funny because I've used that story to to my with my youth when I was a pastor. You know, there's, there's this story of this priest, he's praying to, there's a flood. It's coming, right? And he goes out and he gets on his roof and he's like, Lord, save me, save me. Well, the boat shows up, this boat full of people shows up. So, Hey, get in the boat. He's like, don't you worry guys, God's going to save me. And they're like, okay. Another boat shows up and the water's getting higher and higher. And he's like, don't worry guys, you guys go on ahead. God's going to save me. Well, eventually all the boats are gone and the water's high, high. And this helicopter shows up right out of nowhere. We're going to get you. We're going to get you. And he's like, don't worry guys, God's going to save me. Well, he ends up drowning. Yep. He gets to heaven. He looks and he looks at God and he said, "Why didn't you save me?" He said, "Man, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What else yep. do you look? What else do you want?" <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so true because you you mentioned how you know Mark came in the picture and that was that was the person that yeah. was uh, that was your boat. Yeah, he jumped in. Yeah, he he said, in. "I learned from that priest. Yeah. I'm getting in the first boat." <laughs> yeah, and then the the way this this studio came about was a conversation I was having with someone. It was already a a, a gym, a persistence culture, and the guy said, "Hey, let's let's start a media company because uh, I wanted to start a podcast studio." And you know, a couple months later, we we started this, and then I met. I met Josh and then we started the adversity podcast and, yep. and it's just like crazy how things get moving. And if I would ignored any of those conversations or even ignored you saying like, Hey, I want to start a podcast. Like yeah. who knows if we'd be doing this now. I know it. Yeah. And, that, and it's crazy. Like if I wouldn't even brought it up, right. Like yeah. say I'd have been just a little nervous or scared cause it was an unknown for me. We wouldn't be sitting here with all these great stories that we've had with these amazing individuals that have, 
been so transparent about the adversity that you've, that you've been through, you know, and I think that's what I love the most is that everybody that's come on is working and they're grinding, right? We're, we're, none of us are really at the place where we really want to be specifically, but we're, we're continuing to grind and continue to get there. And even now we're facing adversity in certain phases of our life, right? Even in this moment, there's the three of us have our own levels of adversity and Tyler, the four of us have our own kind of levels of adversity that we're going through. And I think one of the things I liked the most about what your wife said last week was she found that when she was able to find herself in a place of prayer, right? A place of just being able to kind of take your mind and quiet it down and, and pray and, and, and seek the Lord's help and his guidance. There's this, you know, the Bible says there's this peace that passes all understanding when you do that. And I love that the kind of the common theme with our guests so far has been that there has been that common commonality of, of, yeah. of that being a, a practicing principle in their life. And I think that speaks volumes yeah. to, to having a peaceful mindset. I know it does for me at least, right? I can't speak for everyone, but for me, it, it, it really allows me to kind of go through some pretty dark valleys and know that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's going to be there for me. Not only is he going to be there for me, he's got a table prepared for me, right? To eat and dine in the presence of all those people who are trying to bring me down. And I think that's just a beautiful, beautiful reality that we live in. So kind of talk to us about the intensity of being a 51 year old man and getting as ripped (laughs) as you have and the mentality that goes into it, because we talked with Alicia, you know, the, 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 the prep is 12 to 16 weeks, you know, I mean, of, of, of strict dieting. And even like she was saying one scoop of ice cream and you see it, you know, I mean, so talk to us a little bit about that and being a father and having, you know, the responsibility of the gym and the stresses and, you know, because a lot of times people don't realize the amount of stress can take on a person's body. And if you're not properly nutritioning it, you know, it can be, it can be a mental thing that's really devastating yeah. to you. So I'd like for you to kind of unpack that a little bit, if you don't mind. So I had competed originally in 2011 and 12. And I said, you know what, I hated the fitness industry, that side of it. I said, I'm never gonna do this again. And then as I got older, I said, okay, I'm still in shape. I'm okay in shape. Um, but I never drank, I never did drugs. So my body dieted down, looks pretty young, right? So I said, okay, I'm gonna try this again. But the thing with fitness is not about a motivation. You can't wait to be motivated. I don't want to train half the time I'm in the gym. I don't want to diet. I don't do any of that stuff. But it's because I said I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Like Kobe Bryant said, when you don't negotiate with yourself. When Discipline. You start, yeah, once yeah. you sign the contract, it's done, right? So it's just about being disciplined one day at a time, one meal at a time. It's hard. It is yeah. not easy. Uh, but once you do it, there's, like I said, there's nothing you cannot do. I mean, I got down in 16 weeks. I went from 20% to 4%. You know, I went from 40 pounds of body fat to eight. You know, it's nothing. It's not boasting. It's just letting you know what, what's possible. If I can mm-hmm. do it on 51, anyone can do it, right? Right, right? But it's that discipline of doing it day in and day out, day in, and you cannot mess up yeah. at all. There's no room for error. Not with that short period of time, right? right? <laughs> so. Yeah, it's just day-to-day, grinding it out. Two hours of cardio, you know, the food is down to like 1,500 calories, but you see the results. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think a lot of the times, too, you, you, how you said, the discipline, sometimes, like, we try to talk ourselves out of, like, ah, it's, it's all right if I don't jog today. Mm-hmm. It's all right if I eat this today. But uh, in, in your world, being in a competition is, like, you have to be strict about what you eat and making sure you 
get your workouts on. Yes. You and it's religious. You yeah, man. Di- discipline. I, I, yeah, there when, are no cheat days. When I started like getting back to running, I used to always try to talk myself out of it when it was, it was time to do it. And even like when I was ready to get on, on the treadmill, my wife would say, Oh, you're going to get on the treadmill. And I was like, is she trying to talk me out of it too? Like, <laughs> is it a sign? But yeah, but now I'm like very consistent on it. And I think it's just turned into, to part of me doing it every day versus, you know, like, trying to look for an excuse why not to do it. And with your schedule, the the way that you're able to fit in, because it'd be so easy for you to say, you know what, I mean, you're up at, you're on the road at yeah. four o'clock in the morning, yeah. right? And then you get home sometimes super, super late yeah, or a lot of times. So there's just, for you to be able to find that time in your day to number one, like you said last week, to read your word every yeah. day and to be able to exercise that tells me that that it's possible, and if I'm able to do it too, yeah. and so re- and you do the same, you know, then then it's possible for anyone. It's just a mental thing, right? Because we're all three extremely busy human beings. Yeah. And I remember even when I worked in the gym, people think, well, because you work in a gym, it's easy for you to get the workout. That's not the case. Yeah, that's a, it's almost the complete opposite. Act. Sometimes you get a little burned out because you're like, God, yeah. I've been in here dealing with this for six hours. It's work. I want to go home and do something else, but I still need to, I still got to grab a workout. Even being the business owner of the gym would be a lot harder, especially like if the, if business is good, you're going to want to go like, ah, business is good. Let me go watch movies and eat ice cream. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, so for you to still be competitive just shows the passion you have for, for the, the lifestyle of what you're doing. So I think for Alicia and I, the biggest thing is to be in the trenches with our own clients. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So if I can do it at 51, you know, anyone can do it. Even with the whole time, people don't realize that we all have the same amount of time. Yeah. We all have 168 hours a week. It's what do you do with it at the end of the day? That's true. Probably the busiest human being I know of that I don't know personally is The Rock. He doesn't miss a workout. No. And he's flying all across the world and he still gets it done. He still eats his food. Yeah. So I tell people, I go, look, go write down everything you do in a day and let's see what's really left over. Everyone has time just yeah. to choose not to, or the perception is I'm too busy. No, you're not. That's uh, when you mentioned the list. I looked at my list one day and it was, it was just work stuff. And then I listened to a podcast. Uh, it was uh, a friend of mine was on it and he made the comment of saying like, we're always worried about investing in, in the business or how we're going to come up and, and hit those goals. But we never think about investing in our, in our health. You know, what if you, you, uh, you do reach the goal of how much money you want but your health is all messed up. Right. Like what, what good is that going to do? What does it matter? That opened up my eyes. So that's what, what's on my list now. It's like, you know, two miles a day at least. I'll get that done in like 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. yeah. Even like Tony Robbins, when he was broke before he was who he was, he went out without having a job, no money broke, hired a personal trainer because he knew his fitness was more important than anything else. Right? You get in an accident, you're not kidding about your bills. Yeah. You know, it's like... You're going to be in the hospital, right? So that's right. the same thing with us. If people will prioritize themselves first, not, you'll know we'll miss anything. Mm-hmm. Like when I was in mortgages, I don't care what I was doing. It was always the clients first. I took If I would go to Hawaii, my computer came, my files came, everything came, I was still working. Right. But there was no fun in that. Yeah. But then when as I got older, I realized, okay, they're not going anywhere. As long as you prioritize your day, they'll respect your time. Right. Like I don't see a client till 11 o'clock, you know. Whether Alicia and I, which we share taking the baby to school, but I'm in, we're both in from eight to 10, we're training mm-hmm. and then we'll eat and then we'll take clients. And that, that, that and way we don't you miss your time anything, in, yeah. right? 
Versus before, I said, okay, I'm going to open up my schedule from 8 to whatever, and I'll fit training whenever I can fit it in. I'll never get it done that way. My list was full of uh, things for everyone else, the company, and then when when I realized, like, shit, there's nothing for me in, in this in this list, but it's my list, so I had to figure out, like, yo, like, you need to get... I think when I went to the doctor the first time for a checkup that scared me was uh, diabetes runs in my family, and when they said... When they asked me if it ran in my family, they told me like, "Yo, you're borderline diabetic," and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, yeah, we gotta work. It's on. on this. It's on me. It's not on anyone else. So that's why you know, I started like making sure I w- at least walked every day, and then it turned into running. And as I get older now, it's like I think more of my health versus like when I was in my twenties. Is like, where am I gonna go party today? <laughs> You know, it's it's yeah. grown man shit now. Yeah. I gotta be, and I gotta be a grown adult. I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> I remember my old youth pastor I used to work under. He would say, uh, "Shout out Kevin Harris." He would say, "I get up, I, I work out." He said, "I get up every morning, I run around the block, then I kick the block back underneath my bed, and I lay back down." <laughs> That's an easy workout. <laughs> so, what competitions do you uh, do you uh, join? Uh, well, right now we're with the MPC. The goal is obviously to get our pro cards. Um, I'm trying to do it over 50. So Alicia and I are both competing at the North Americans in Pittsburgh, September 1st, 2nd. Um, she'll be doing, obviously, the Open for her class, and and then I'll be doing the, the Masters. So Lord willing, we'll see. Is Masters, is that is that because of you're a master of physique, or no. is that because you're a master of age? <laughs> age, age. So they have them from 35. They consider Masters over 35, so 35 to 40, 45 to 40. To 45 and so on and so forth so i'll be doing the over 50 category so i i imagine like the younger you are the more competition there is is it yeah. still is is it still competitive once you're over that uh there's some guys yeah, yeah. there's some guys that are still i mean for my issues i'm six one you know i'm only 200 pounds on stage so i'm very small compared to these other guys are 230 40 pounds right um but yeah, no, it's 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 competitive, not as competitive as the open. When you take these kids now are twenty five years old, they're monsters, right? Yeah. There's no way I can compete against those kids. But uh but I, I can hold my own in the in my category. I just need to grow. So right now like for right now what's funny is the off season right now is a lot harder than the contest prep. Because I'm having to eat so much food and right. I hate eating. I'm not hungry at all. And uh trying to stick in forty five hundred calories a day is a lot of food. And ah. it's clean food, so it's not yeah. like it's junk food. I'll help you, man. I'm stuck. I'm I'm starving right now. I'm hungry just talking about it. Well, I got to eat seven times a day, and it's just so much food. Yeah. And so I'm having to supplement with shakes and stuff just to get the calories in. But, uh, yeah, I hate – right now, I hate it right now. I'm 230 pounds right now. I don't like it. I like being 200. (laughs) See, I like being – I'm going the other way. I'm trying to get up to, like, 245, 248. 248 is the biggest I've ever been. But I'm sitting about 233 right now. Well, that's the goal is to get there. But it's just a lot of food. But I don't know if I could shred back down to two hundred. I look like a, I look like that water bottle at two hundred and two hundred twenty. He had no shirt. He was never with a shirt on. Hair down. Looked like Tarzan. Oh, you're that guy, huh? Yeah. It's an open gym, man. Hey, listen. When there's nobody in there, it's no shirt Friday. (laughs) No shirt Friday. Yo, you come in sometimes. You know, you might catch Josh without. It's funny because I'll go because they're you know it's a twenty four hour gym. It's a really awesome community. We all know each other, right? So, um. I'll come in sometimes and it'll just be me in there. 
and it'll be in the morning, like on a Sunday morning or something or Saturday early, whatever. I'll be in there working out and it'll be like a chest day or whatever. And I'm like, all right, you know, cause I'm kind of crooked anyway. So I like to try and it helps me kind of see my balance and there's a, there's a real reason behind it, but I'll be in there just working out shirt off headphones going and, uh, John will come walk in with a guest that's like a, a new member. Is like, so this is the gym, and he's showing around, and that's Josh. <laughs> I'm like, hey. He doesn't wear a shirt sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to start talking. Like, hey, guys. <laughs> so what what's next for you besides competing and, and continuing to, uh, to run the business? So right now our goal is to get this gym where it should have been two years ago. Uh, once we get it to that profitability, then we want to open up a second location. So, so coming from uh, the bank uh, mortgage world, uh, I feel I, I know a lot of people that come from that world, and every time I talk to to one of my friends that's in that world, that it's like easy for them to get so comfortable because uh, I know they want to do other things, but they say the money is is good in in what they do. What would you say to someone who who keeps ignoring to follow their that dream or follow their passion if they're in the mortgage business now? Yeah. Or, or, or not just the mortgage business, but in any, in any other career that they feel like, ah, I'm making good money, I'm comfortable. Because I feel like you had to step step out of your comfort zone to, to get where you're at. Well, you do have to step out and go to the unknown, and that's scary for a lot of people, right? I mean, for Alicia and I, it's like, geez, we're going to a gym, we don't know what the heck we're doing, right? You just got to follow your passion. And we're, at the end of the day, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I did mortgages, did really, really well, just because I like to sell. I hated it. I hated it. It's like, mm, I don't want to do this. You know, so on my first time out, when I was able to get out in 2008, I forcefully got out, but it was the best thing probably happened for me. Because you have the cars, you have the house, you have the money. Like for me, when I got in the mortgage, I made money so fast. I went from being a paramedic making $30,000 a year to making that in a month. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I grew so fast. I'm sorry, the money came so fast, but I didn't grow as a person. So I had $5,000 in cars. I had houses everywhere. I had all this stuff. And at 33 years old, I'm like, I got $20,000 a month in debt just in stuff. That's, right. not inclu- that's not including tithing and food and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's fun. But at the end of the day, it's all that materialistic stuff means nothing. So I said, you know what? All I want, I want just a peaceful lifestyle. I want the money for the freedom that, that the money brings. Let right? me let me ask you this for, for, for what you just said right now. That's a lot of people who've never had everything that you've said. That's that's their going life. Because they think that's going to make them happy. Did, did that, all that stuff. You think, you think, you think it's going to make, it doesn't make you happy. Like, um, I literally, I think I bought 30 brand new cars, showroom cars in 10 years out of every dealership in Santa Clarita. But at the end of the day, it just became sitting in my garage is nice. And then you go out and six months later buy another one. Because it doesn't fulfill you, right? And that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's like that whole struggling with God type of thing. Right. Because it's, it's like I'm looking but I already know what the source is. Right. Right. And, uh, That'll preach brother. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, none of that stuff brings you happiness. None of that money, the cars doesn't. Would you say the, your transition to owning the gym and, and doing the gym thing, you got more out of that than the materialistic stuff? Yeah, because we, we want to help people, right? Like people don't know, we have more free gym memberships at our gym than people would ever know because, see, when people come to me and they say, and they're authentic, they say, look, I lost my job, especially during the pandemic, I lost my job, I'm a waitress, whatever. It's like, okay, I have one or two options. I can freeze your membership or I can cancel you. Mm-hmm. It's really what what the industry provides. But I'm, if I do that to you, everything you've worked for is going to go nowhere. 
just stay at the gym as long as you need, and I know you'll come back. So we've done that a lot. So we will, Alicia and I will give for free mm-hmm. because we know that at the end of the day, they need us more now than when they got the money. Right. Right. So, uh, so we help people stay through it and don't lose what you've accomplished. And whenever you can pay us, pay us back, you know, and that's, that's how we've been. Our model's been that way all along. That's yeah. pretty incredible. I'm glad you shared that too. And I caught when you said about the cars and, you know, I had houses and all that stuff, because sometimes people think that once they accomplish all that, I'm going to live happily ever after, but that didn't bring the happiness that you were looking for. No, I actually put you in a, in a more empty spot. Believe it or not, having all that stuff. Wow. Unless you're grounded and you have a great relationship with God, something like that's different. Um, but at the end of the day, like, Alicia never knew me when I had money. She knew me when I was always struggling, right? So she's never, I tell her stories, and a lot of times she believes me or not, I don't know. But, <laughs> but, um, but they're good stories, right? Great <laughs> stories, yeah, they're great stories. But they're good learning lessons where you don't want to do again. But like I tell her right now, I just, the, what I would like is the, the freedom that money brings, not having to worry about how we're going to pay our bills or not telling Alicia, no, you can't go buy this because we don't have the money kind of thing, but just being able just to live life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And with this crazy world, I don't know what the heck's going to happen. I think that's a good thing too, along with what uh, Mambo was talking about. You know, the there's, there's two pieces to this story. Number one is all of those cars and everything aren't going to make you happy. You know, I was in the same position in Tyler. Right. And kind of where I can tag along is, you know, we came out here, we bought this business. I had a really good gig in Tyler, or I'm sorry, in Dallas and uh, in Texas. And we got the opportunity, and that was my goal, right? Store, store, store. It was my wife's goal, store, store, store. So when we had the opportunity together to do this, it was like our dream, right? And then we got out here, and between the pandemic and all the other things that happened in in the industry, it kind of over the last three years has kind of made us frustrated, Right. And it's just kind of like maybe this dream isn't the dream that we anticipated it being, you know. And so I think what I've personally learned is that working for yourself isn't always as cracked up as it's told you it is. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's kind of where we're having that dynamic and figuring things out is, you know, we, we came out here. It was great. We were excited, and then one thing after another just kind of shows up, and then you got 30 people working for you. So there's just this there's this process that we had to kind of get through, which I'm sure you guys had the same thing. You know, you open up this gym. It's your dream. You move from the valley to the nard, and then it's great, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's this. And when you work for yourself, there's no parachute. Mm. It's just you, right? And that's a big that's a big deal that people don't take into consideration when somebody else is, when you're, when you're getting a W two from someone else, yeah. you know? And so I think that's an important thing is for people to not only, not only strive for material stuff like John was talking about, like Mamba, like you brought up, but also be careful what you wish for, you know, be careful and know that if you go into working for yourself and doing something for yourself, it's not, it may not be all roses and cream. There, there, it, you may have to go through some gravel and some grit and mm-hmm. some dirt and some mud to get through to where you can actually enjoy it. It may not just be an easy, smooth ride. Just even though you can bet on yourself, like LeBron says, you mm-hmm. know, if I was a GM, if any GM were to pick a player, I would say I was the best player, right? But that doesn't mean it was, he's had the easiest career or the easiest run. You know, he yeah. may have the most points and he may have some of the most accolades, 
But if you look at the, his run, his career, I mean, all the adversity that he's been through from the public to himself to his teammates and his teams and all that stuff, it's, it's a huge lesson for us to kind of be more patient in our lives and really appreciate where we are and not be so in a hurry to get to that next place. Because I think what happens is you, you you don't realize how great your space is currently when you're always trying to go to the next mm-hmm. one. I think with me, uh, uh, someone told me, to, you know, just just find something that you love to do or something you're passionate about. I've always been a fan and love music. Didn't know how to play an instrument or anything. So I was like, how am I going to be in the music business if I don't know how to do any of that? But I ended up getting into radio. Then I knew that, yo, not that bad, you know, getting up early and doing a morning show. You get up early. Very early. <laughs> and then eventually it turned into doing podcasts. And, I, and I'm seeing like, you know, some people will complain about like, ah, oh, man, I got to record today. I look forward to, right, <laughs> to recording right. whenever I get a chance. And now, you know, I'm a part of uh, what, like three podcasts and I still have the show and, and I'm just doing some of my love. And, and it's, it's crazy to see that a lot of the things that I thought like, oh, by this time I'm going to be making all this money and I'm just having a good time and things just fall into place for me. It's not like I'm chasing the money. I'm chasing more of what I love to do. The passion. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, that's kind of like, you know, you, you were making all this money. You got to buy all these cars and all these houses and you still wanted to do some for yourself because you weren't feeling the happiness with the material things. So your, your list was full. Uh, you like that, don't you? Yeah. Do you miss any other materialistic things? Oh, of course it's fun. But at the end of the day, it's, I'm having fun now too. But right. it's, it, like for me, like I'll look at a Lamborghini go by and I get pissed off that I don't have one. Not that I want the car, but the fact that what makes him better than me. Nothing, right. Right. But, you know, always you were saying something about where you're at today, but it's like I always I was always taught that everyone complains that opportunity doesn't knock my way. Opportunity knocks every single day. It's, yeah. Are you ready for the, when, yeah. the door, when they come knocking on your door? So when you were getting prepared and the podcast came up, you were ready for it. Yeah. Right? So that's kind of like with me, I pu- I've always positioned myself for whatever comes next. I'm ready for it. So I never say I, don't, I didn't have that opportunity. So I'm always ready for the next thing, whatever it might be. Right now, I think we still have a lot of growth to do within the gym and helping people and where we're going. Like, we had a, a, a client named Johnny. He works out at LinkedIn, and he came in at 380-some pounds. Within three weeks, he was down to 350, goes to see his doctor, and he calls me up. He goes, dude, I just got off my blood pressure medication, and my blood pressure's perfect. Now he's been off four weeks, no medication, and, it, and but that's that's yeah. the real stuff. We talk about the aesthetic part of it, but at the end of the day, it's bring, giving people their life back. Wow. Right? And that's the testimonies that we really like. That's good. I like that. Man, great uh, great combo today. That was good. That flew <laughs> yeah, by, man. too, man. Goodness gracious. I love these things, dude. Yeah. They always just, they've been great. I mean, they've just been these really awesome conversations, and I appreciate you coming on, John. I really do. Yeah, and uh, we're definitely going to be bringing some more guests. And, uh, Josh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to Absolutely. hang out today. John, thank you so for much. Sure. Uh, make sure you guys uh, check it out. Available on uh, at the Apple podcast app also spotify and uh if you have any ideas for some guests make sure uh, you guys reach out to us my email is djmambo at gmail.com and uh thanks for checking out the adversity podcast real people real stories peace